I want you to raise your hand if you've ever made a New Year's resolution. You ever made one of those before? What, 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 what was your resolution? Somebody just shout it. What, did, what, did you, what were you resolved to do? What is it? Read DBR. Read DBR every day. That's a good one. Anybody else? What? Feed the dog every day. <laughs> so you have a dog that you don't feed. That's great. <laughs> okay. Somebody else. What, what, what's a resolution? Yeah? Start running more. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One more. One more. What's one more? Eat better. Well, that, it's funny that you both mentioned running and eating better because that is actually the most popular New Year's resolution that is made year after year after year. So many people get to the end of the year and they say, you know what, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get some muscle. I'm going to run more. I'm going I'm to get in shape. So these people, they hit the gym really hard. They're working out like several times a week, like January. It's like every day in the gym. They're, they're working out. They're lifting weights. They're going on walks and they're doing, they're going on runs. They're doing push-ups and sit-ups at home. Like they start to, you know, do all these just like intense workouts. And after a few weeks, like they start to lose weight and start to feel good. And they're like, great, this is great. You know, and then a couple months go by and they're still losing weight and they're getting stronger. They're getting more muscular and like, oh yeah, this is a great resolution. But then out of nowhere, they hit a wall, and they just can't lose any more weight. Something, something's going on, and then it's frustrating because they're like, I keep working out, I keep doing this, and like, I'm not getting any better. It's like, I thought it was going so well, but now it's not. Like, what's the deal? And then they get frustrated, and then they just give up, and it's like March, and then they go the whole rest of the year, and they don't work out anymore, and it's not good, and then December comes, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. Well, there's something that happens to these people who go to the gym and they work out really hard and they're doing all this stuff and they think it's great. There, there's a reason why they hit this wall and they don't get in better shape. And it's because they have forgotten about the most important ingredient, the most important part about getting in better physical shape. Does anybody know what that is? Jennifer said it. The diet. You forget about the diet, that you have to be eating the right kinds of foods. You can't keep eating in and out all the time and think that you're going to get into great shape. You have to be careful about what you eat. So here's what experts say, the, the expert nutritionist and all of these you know, people that are in the gym all the time. They say that getting in better shape is 20% exercise and 80% diet. That's crazy. 80% of getting in better shape is actually being careful about what you are eating, being careful about your calorie intake and being, being like tracing your macronutrients and all these things. But so many people have it backwards. Maybe you didn't even know that. Maybe you thought it was backwards. Maybe you thought, oh, it's 80% I got to work out and it's 20% what I put in my body. No, the main part, the main ingredient is that you got to be very careful about what are you eating, what is going inside your body. Without having a healthy diet, you can only get so far in your health journey. I want you to open your Bibles now to the book of 1 Peter. I want you to turn to chapter 2. We are finally in 1 Peter chapter 2. We got through chapter 1, chapter 2, and today we're covering verses 1 through 3. 
Now, Peter, he's been talking a lot about holiness. He's been talking about what holiness is and how we can become more like Jesus and what a Christian who is growing in holiness will do. And so far, he's given us a few things to do. But what he's going to tell us that we have to do today, it's that missing ingredient. It's that one thing that people forget about all the time when it comes to their life and their growing in holiness and their becoming more like Jesus. You see, we're going to see that if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, if you want to become more like Jesus, then you must be reading the Bible. If you want to become more like Jesus, you need to be reading the Bible. But just like a healthy diet is neglected in people that are trying to get in physical shape, when it comes to the Bible and Christians, a lot of times Christians treat the Bible like the diet. Where they're like, oh, I'm just going to start doing the right thing. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give money. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to do all these things. And they think that these things are what's going to really get them closer to Jesus. That's what's really going to help them grow in their faith. But the Bible says that without the Bible... You're not really going to get that far. You've got to be reading the Bible to be growing in your faith. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So you see the title of this sermon, Got Spiritual Milk? You guys get it? Does anybody get it? Does anybody understand what I'm saying here? What, what's the, what am I like talking about? What, what's the connection here? Got milk. Got milk. What's that like the slogan? What's that the slogan for? Not a trick question. Milk. Got milk? Yeah. Now listen, do you have spiritual milk? Do you have the spiritual milk? The spiritual milk is the Bible. Right? So do you have it? Are you taking it in? Are you being nourished by the spiritual milk? Because without the Bible, without God's word, you will not grow in your faith. You're not going to make it very far. Without reading the Bible consistently, you're not going to be able to grow to be more and more like Jesus, like we should be. Right? So it starts off, verse 1, it says, so put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, uh, and, and envy and all slander. So here's point number one. I want you to write this down. Treat others with the love of Christ. Last weekend, Jose talked a lot about loving others. And Peter, he builds on that with this verse. So put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Whenever you do this, whenever you put these things away, whenever you stop doing these things, it will cause you, it will lead you to be loving others better. Because listen to what each of these sins are. Listen, it says malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Each of these sins has to do with you and others. It has to do with you and the way that you are treating others. So he says, put them away. Put away means get rid of. It means get them out of here. Maybe when you were younger, you got all these toys around your room, and your parents come in your room, and they say, hey, put this away. What are they telling you to do? Clean up. I don't want to see it. 
It needs to be off the floor. It needs to be gone. Put it away. So Peter's saying, put away these things. Get rid of these sins that he's been talking about. You need to get rid of attitudes, of actions, of habits that are harmful to other people because you are commanded to love other people. Put it to death. Stop it. Do whatever it takes to stop these sins. You've got to repent of these sins. And so the first one he talks about is malice. Malice is the desire to do evil. It's doing something with the purpose, the intent of doing evil. When you do something with evil intentions. Now here's an example. Uh, when you hit someone, whenever you knock someone down or something like that, because you want to cause them physical pain. The motivation there, you actually want to hurt them, so you go and you hurt them. That's malice. Whenever you want to hurt someone's feelings, so you go and you make fun of them. That's malice, because your motivation there is evil. Whenever you steal something from someone because you want them to be upset over the thing that you took from them. I mean, I remember being mad at my brother a lot when I was much younger, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm mad at him, so now I'm going to do something to make him upset. And it would be punch him, make fun of him, take something of his, something like that. The motivation behind that, that's malice, that's wrong, that's evil. So Peter says, put away malice. Put it away. So in order to put away malice, we need to be praying for self-control. You need to be able to control your actions, to control yourself. So when you feel like harming someone, when you feel like you want to do something wrong to someone, you need to be able to control yourself and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. That is a, an evil motivation. That's evil that I'm thinking about causing them harm, so I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do it. You've got to be able to control yourself whenever you're thinking about it. You need to be able to forgive others who have wronged you. Maybe a reason why you have malice in your heart for someone is because they have wronged you. They've hurt you. And when you think about that person, you just think about how you want to get them back. You want revenge. You want to hurt them. That's malice, especially when you go and you act on that. So you need to forgive people. You need to have self-control. You need to never retaliate, never get revenge. Christians should be the most loving people in the world. You hear me? If you say you're a Christian, you should be one of the most loving people in the world. You should love people. You should care for people. You should be kind to people. You should not be people who have malice stored up in your heart for others. So he talks about malice, and then he talks about deceit. Put away deceit. Deceit is lying, deceiving someone, causing someone to believe something that isn't true. Trickery. I want you to raise your hand if you've lied before. If your hand is not up, you're lying right now. <laughs> Everybody, Jose said two hands. Yeah, we, we have, we've all lied before. He says, put away deceit. When you lie, it hurts other people. I want you to think about the reasons that you lie. What, what are some reasons maybe that you lie? Here, here might be some. Maybe you lie to other people to make yourself seem cooler than you, maybe than you think you are. You lie and exaggerate and tell people that you've done cool things when you haven't, or you own something cool when you don't. 
You lie about, you know, what you've done. You know what I'm saying? You lie because you want people to think that you're more interesting than you think you are. Well, what happens whenever the person finds out the truth that you were lying? It hurts them because you lied to them. Maybe you've lied because you're trying to keep yourself out of trouble. You ever done that before? Yeah. You lie to your parents because you know that if you tell them the truth, you're going to get in trouble. That hurts your relationship with your parents. How are your parents going to trust you if you just keep lying to them? It's hurtful. It's harmful. You ever cheated before? Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's, that's lying. It's a form of lying. When you cheat, what you're saying is, I know this when you really don't. And if you cheat from someone else that's sitting next to you, you're also stealing. Because that's not your answers, it's theirs. So Peter says, put away deceit. Put away every action that could be considered being deceitful, lying, stealing, cheating, anything like that. He says, put it away. I hope, I hope that you realize how damaging lying can be. I want to tell you a story. Uh, I have a, I've, I have a, a friend. Um, when we were younger, in, in middle school, he always seemed to have, like, the craziest stories. Like, he would tell these stories, like, he would miss school, and uh, it, it would be, like, near the Super Bowl, and he'd come back to school, and he'd be like, sorry, guys, I was at the Super Bowl. And we'd be like, what, really? And he's like, yeah, look, I've got pictures, and he'd have pictures to show us he's at the Super Bowl. Like, oh, and that's awesome, man, like, so cool. Like, he always had these crazy, elaborate stories that he was at this place, and this place, and this place, and, like, it just kept going. And, like, we were in college, and uh, he was still telling these things, and it got to the point where he actually, he, he told my friend that he had, um, he had these tickets to this football game, this big football game. He's like, I got these tickets. He, he sent him pictures of it. And he said, if you, if you send me money, like, we'll go to this game together. Right? So my friend sent him money. Right? He had no reason to not trust him. Sent him the money. And he's like, okay, great. I'll pick you up. We'll go to this game. Well, long story short, this person who, you know, I would have considered a friend, we figured out was lying about all these things, like his whole life. Like, he, he never went to the Super Bowl. There were fake pictures from the Internet. He didn't have tickets to this football game. He did it because he was trying to steal money. And the truth finally was coming out about this person that over the course of the last 10 plus years, lie after lie after lie after lie after deceit after deceit. After, and it hurt so many people. So many people. And it all started because when he was younger, when he was around your age, he started to tell lies and he got addicted to it. And it ruined his life. So Peter says, put away deceit. Put away lying. And so if you are lying, often repent. Stop doing that. Because I'm telling you right now, if you're in a habit of lying over and over and over again, it will follow you into your adulthood and it will ruin your life a sin. God hates it. You need to put it away. Put away deceit. Put away lying. Ephesians 4, 25 says, therefore, having put away falsehood. Falsehood is lying. Put it away. Anything that's not true, put it away. It says, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Pop quiz, who's your neighbor? Everyone is your neighbor. Be truthful. 
with your neighbor. Tell the truth to everyone all the time. Don't tell lies. Tell the truth. Don't exaggerate. Put away deceit. Put it away. He talks about hypocrisy, being a hypocrite, someone that's someone who doesn't live out what they say they believe. Or people accuse the church of being full of hypocrites all the time because people come to church and they say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but then on the weekends, like, or, or during the week, I mean, they're liars, they're cheaters, they steal, they do all these bad things, right? And people say, oh, the church is just filled with hypocrites, it's filled, right? Well, that's because a lot of times it is. People are being hypocritical. They say you believe something and your life doesn't really look like it. All right? And we can all be hypocritical at times because we all sin, we all stumble. And that's the, the flaw in this argument that people have about the church is they say it's full of hypocrites. It's like, well, everyone in the church is imperfect, so at some point we're all being hypocritical. But what Peter is saying is if your life is full of hypocrisy, if you are lying and you're saying that you are one thing and you're not living like it, then you are being a hypocrite. And being a hypocrite hurts other people. You understand? When you're being hypocritical, when you're not being true to your word, whenever you're not really being who you say you are, it hurts other people. It's not loving other people. And he talks about envy. Envy is like extreme jealousy. It's being so jealous of someone that like, you want what someone else has so bad that it makes you angry. That it makes you mad that someone else has this. Maybe, maybe someone, uh, maybe you don't have a cell phone, and maybe your friend just got one, and you get so jealous and you're so envious that you're mad at your friend because they got something that you want. Maybe it's about money. Maybe it's about fill in the blank, whatever it is. Envy. That's not loving other people. You understand? That's harmful. Whenever you have envy and bitterness towards someone, you're not being loving. That is harmful behavior. And he talks about slander, slandering other people. That's, in some ways, lying about them. It's making a claim about someone that's false. Slandering, it's lying about someone. Maybe you tell a lie about someone because you want them to get in trouble with their parents. Maybe you've slandered your sibling because you've said, hey, mom, dad, this is what my sibling just did, and it's not actually true, and they get in trouble. That's slander. And something else that's very closely tied with slander is the sin of God. Gossip. Gossip is when you talk about someone else behind their back. Guys, stop with the gossip. Stop it. You understand? God hates that. It's harmful. It's not loving. If you find yourself with a group of friends and someone starts to talk about someone that's not right there with you, then you shouldn't be having the conversation. Because conversations like that always lead to gossip, talking, can you believe that she did this? Can you believe that that happened? Can you believe that she likes him and he likes her and this happened and this happened and this happened? It's harmful. It hurts people. You probably have been hurt by gossip before. It's not good. God hates that. That's slander. It's gossip. It's bad. It's not loving. You got to be careful about what you say. When your mouth starts to move and, and sounds are coming out, you have to be very careful that you are not saying something bad about someone else. So I'm serious. If you start to talk about someone who's not right there hearing you, then you just stop it. 
Unless, of course, you're talking about how great they are, how awesome they are, how much you love them. Something good that God loves. But he hates gossip. Gossip's a sin. Gossip ruins friendships. It hurts feelings. It's not good. He hates it. And each of these sins that Peter talks about, they call out against harming other people. So you need to treat others with the love of Christ. You need to make sure that you are treating other people with love. If you say that you are a Christian, you need to be loving other people. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. That's what Jesus says, guys. Love one another. Just as Christ has loved you, you need to love one another. Everybody, it doesn't matter if someone's mean to you. It doesn't matter if someone has hurt you. It doesn't matter if someone's a Christian or not. You are called and commanded to love that person. If you have seen or if you've been on the receiving end of any of these sins that Peter talks about, you understand that it is harmful. It is hurtful. It is not good. When I was in college, uh, I, I went to this church and uh, it was a church plant, and it started out great. It was really awesome. Um, it grew to be this big church, and a couple months in, I started to notice that there were these people who would just kind of gossip about each other. It started small, uh, but I didn't do what I should have done, which is tell them to stop. No one told anybody to stop. And it grew and it grew until gossip about people and slander and lying and being hypocritical and all of these things were happening to the point to where this church fell apart. It split. Like seriously, people were like, I'm leaving, you hurt me, you hurt me, you're a liar, I'm just crazy. This church split and it, it ceased to be a church because of all of these sins, because of how the people of this church were not loving each other the way that God's word says to. So you got to understand how harmful these sins are, how bad they're, how much God hates them. You need to love one another. You need to treat others with the love of Christ. So I need you to ask yourself a question. The question is this, how am I treating other people? Am I treating other people with love or am I treating them with harm? Do I have malice in my heart? Am I envious of other people? Am I a hypocrite? Am I deceiving people? Am I a gossip? You gotta repent of these sins. You gotta confess it to God. You gotta repent of these sins. So Peter is very, very straightforward about how you need to be loving one another. Treat others with the love of Jesus. All right, so maybe you're listening to this and you're going, oh my goodness, like I, I do that and I do that and I do that and I'm, I'm terrible, I'm, I'm terrible. And maybe you're like overwhelmed because you're like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? How do I stop? There is a simple way. There's a simple way to start stopping these things, to start putting them away. And it's by reading the Bible. It's by spending time in God's word. Here's point number two. Realize your need for the Bible. Whether you're a Christian or not, 
you need to realize that you need the Bible. If you are a Christian, you need the Bible to continue to grow in Christ's likeness. You need the Bible to grow in your relationship with God. You need your Bible to know God better, to know his word better. As you know God's word better, you know him better. And the more you know God, the more like Jesus you become. So you've got to realize that you need the Bible. And if you're not a Christian, you need to realize that you need the Bible because the Bible contains the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a Christian, you need to put your trust in Jesus. You need to repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus because Jesus is the only way to heaven, guys. So you've got to understand that no matter where you are in life, no matter what phase of life you're in, you need the Bible. You need God's word. And I want you to realize that tonight. I want you to understand, maybe for the first time ever, you're understanding right now, like, oh my goodness, I need the Bible. I need the Bible to live. I need the Bible to survive. I need this. I need to be reading the Bible. Peter says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Becoming more like Jesus, it's this theme that's been all throughout 1 Peter so far. Being more like Jesus, growing in holiness, treating others with love, being like Christ. So when you put away the sins that Peter's talking about, you're becoming more like Jesus. And as you're reading the Bible, you're becoming more like Jesus. God, the Holy Spirit will change you and you will become like Christ. You will do the things that Christ loves and he commands you to do. Now, oftentimes in the Bible, when it talks about infants, uh, the author is referring to his audience as like immature Christians. So it'll use that language sometimes, but right now, that's not what Peter is doing. Right now, what Peter is doing is he's using infants and milk as an analogy, as an illustration to help us understand how much we need the Bible. So he's saying, think about the way that a newborn baby longs for milk. When a baby is born, a baby is born hungry. The baby comes out crying. It's hungry. You got to give the baby milk. And if you don't give the baby milk, it can't survive. That's the way God has created babies to need to long for milk. And they have to be fed multiple times a day, over and over and over again. And when they get hungry and they don't get it right away, what do they do? They cry because they need milk. They need the nourishment for milk. So milk... Here, this pure spiritual milk is talking about the Bible. He's saying, if you're a Christian, you need to long and desire this pure spiritual milk. You need to desire the Bible. The Bible is pure. That means it has no impurities. It's perfect. There's no mistakes in the Bible. Understand the Bible is perfect, it's completely true. There's nothing false in here. It's God's word, you can trust it. It's perfect. And the Bible is what you need as a Christian to become more like Jesus. So just like a baby needs milk to survive, a Christian needs the Bible to continue on, to grow in their faith, to become more like Jesus. Right, the Bible says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Every verse in the Bible is like this pure spiritual milk to Christians. And it's all true. 
The Bible says your word is truth. God's word is truth. It's perfectly true. So every Christian, all Christians should desire, should be longing to read the word of God, to hear the word of God. Just like a newborn baby longs for milk. I want you to uh, (laughs) just think about this with me, okay? Think about this. Would you ever, let's, let's assume that you're babysitting. You're babysitting and it's a newborn baby. It's a week old baby. You're babysitting. And the baby starts to cry. And the parents of this baby said, when the baby starts to cry, what it needs is in the fridge in a bottle. Feed it. Okay? You open up the fridge to feed the baby. And there's two things in there. (laughs) One of them is a can of Dr. Pepper. And the other is a bottle of milk. Which one are you going to give the baby? Why? Because they, right, they, they need the milk. That's the point. You're not going to give baby Dr. Pepper. What would you guys do, right, if, if I came in with Noah later, and he's crying, he's hungry, and I'm like, here, dude, here's Dr. Pepper. Right, I know he's not a newborn baby, but the point is, you'd be like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, he doesn't need a Dr. Pepper. He's one. He needs, like, he needs food. He needs milk. Like, what, what are you doing? Right, Dr. Pepper doesn't nourish a newborn baby. What a newborn baby needs is milk, okay? What you need as a Christian is spiritual milk. You need the Bible. Now listen, that means that there is no substitute for the Bible. Just like Dr. Pepper is not a good substitute for milk for a baby, there is no good substitute for the Bible in the life of a Christian. So that means that uh, just listening to sermons does not replace the Bible. If I ask you, hey, do you read the Bible? And you say, no, but I listen to like three sermons a day. Doesn't matter. But, but it's a pastor explaining the Bible to me. Doesn't matter. Because you need to be reading the Bible yourself. You say, okay, I don't read the Bible, but I read like, I read a book about the Bible, like one book a week. Like so good to talk. Like I read a book about like a commentary on Genesis last week. And I read this book about like, uh, uh, you know, Pastor Mike's new book about to come out about envy. Like I read that, like, but I don't read the Bible. I would say doesn't matter because those books are not a substitute for the Bible. You say, okay, okay, okay. I don't read the Bible, but you know that show, The Chosen? Oh, I love this. I love that show. It's the Bible. It's just looking at it. It's the same thing. It's just a, it's like a video instead of a book. What would I say to you? Doesn't matter. Doesn't count. Because there is no substitute for the Bible. You need the Bible. You need the pure spiritual milk that is the Bible. And Peter says, so that you can grow up into salvation. Right? This is saying so that you can grow in your maturity is what that means. So you can become more like Jesus. I've said that like 12 times, but it's the truth. You need the Bible to become more like Jesus. You remember the goal that Peter gave us a few weeks ago? You guys remember that? A little pop quiz here. What, what's the goal that Peter gave us that we should all be striving for as Christians? To be more like Jesus. Now he's saying, hey, do you want to be more like Jesus? You've got to be reading the Bible. You've got to be longing the pure spiritual milk. You've got to be reading the Bible. 
Psalm 42.1 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Peter uses the word long, long for. That means like, I am longing, I am desiring. I have a strong desire to read the Bible. You guys ever, like, you have a, if you've ever seen or you have a dog and you were outside with this dog and you were throwing a ball around with it and then, like, it's a hot summer day and then you go inside, what is that dog going to be doing after running around outside for a long time? Panting. That dog is like, <laughs> what does it need? Dr. Pepper? No! <laughs> it needs water. It's desiring what it's longing for water. Right? As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. Do you have a desire to read the Bible? Are you longing to read the Bible? If you're not, here's what you can do and what you should do. You need to start praying, God, please give me a desire to read the Bible. I understand it's important. I realize that I need the Bible, God. Please give me a desire to read the Bible. God, when I wake up in the morning, please help me to wake up and read the Bible. Give me a desire to do that. Guys, God's going to answer that prayer. Got to be reading the Bible. Got to be in the Bible. All right, so Peter, he says, you need to long for the pure spiritual milk if you have done something. If you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, that's interesting language because when you think about what the word taste literally, literally means, we don't taste the Lord's goodness like you taste food. But what we're saying here is that when you eat food and you taste it, what you're doing is you are experiencing the food, right? You are taking a bite of it and you, it, the flavor is in your mouth and you, it, just, it tastes good, like you are experiencing the food. All right, so Peter says, if you've tasted that the Lord is good, have you experienced the Lord's goodness? Now, first of all, the first and the most important way for you to experience God's goodness is to get saved, is to put your trust in Jesus. And when the Bible says, the Bible says, when you put your trust in Jesus, you will be saved. Right? So if you put your trust in Jesus, if you say, God, I'm not trusting in myself anymore. I'm trusting in you for salvation. I'm trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. He took my place. He took my punishment. I believe that he didn't stay dead, that he rose again, that he defeated death, defeated hell, defeated sin forever. I trust that. The Bible says that when you really put your trust in Jesus, you will be saved. That, first of all, is the goodness of God that you need to taste, that you need to experience. All right, but you also experience God's goodness in other ways. And in one of the ways that you experience God's goodness is through reading the Bible. So here's point number three. Kind of long. You need to experience God's goodness by reading the Bible daily. Experience God's goodness by reading the Bible daily. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 
Taste, experience the Lord's goodness. Take refuge in him. Put your trust in him and experience the goodness of God. So right at salvation, you experience God's goodness and his grace. I want you to think about, though, all the other ways that you've experienced God's goodness and kindness. Raise your hand if you woke up this morning. Raise your hand if you woke up in in a bed of some sort with a comfy pillow. Drake, you didn't wake up in a bed? Did your hand going up? I was about to say, bro, what? <laughs> what? Interesting. Well, I said a bed of some sort, so that's your choice of a bed, I guess. But did, 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 you, guys, uh, did you guys eat food today? You guys eat food? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, can you guys breathe? Yeah, okay. Do you guys have friends? You have, you have family? Yeah? Are you guys wearing clothes? Yes. Right? There's so many, so many ways that you, every day, experience God's goodness and his kindness. But another way that we, especially Christians, need to be experiencing the goodness of God is through reading the Bible every single day. The Bible is God's word to us. And the Bible says things like this. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. When you read the Bible, you're reading God's word to you. The Bible is God's gift to us to know him better. So every time you open the pages of scripture and you read it, you are experiencing God's goodness. We got to understand that. It's not just a book. It's not just homework for train. It's God's word. When you open the Bible and you read it, God is talking to you through the Bible. You got to understand that. I hope you see that. When you open the Bible, God is being good to you. Gotta experience his goodness that way. I want you to realize how badly you need the Bible. What do you think about this? Also, every time you open the Bible and you read it, you're engaging in that personal relationship with God. You, if you have put your trust in Jesus, you have a personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth. God, almighty God. You have a relationship with him. We should be, every time we think of this, we should be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And when you open the Bible and you read it, that's how you and God are talking to each other, essentially, right? You're reading his word to you, and then when you pray, you're talking to him. You have a relationship with the God of the universe. God shows you his goodness through these things. You gotta be in the Bible. Understand that the Bible is God's gift Do not take the Bible for granted. Do not neglect the Bible. You need to understand how bad you need it. Uh, A few years ago, I had a student in youth group in uh, in Georgia who had gotten in trouble with his parents because his grades were really, really bad. They were really bad. Uh, 
so he, he's failing multiple classes, right? So they told him, dude, if you don't get your grades up, then we're taking everything. No more video games. You're not hanging out with your friends. You're taking away your phone. Like for a whole semester, nothing until your grades get up. And they said, you've, you've got about a month for these grades to start going up. So you better get to it. So he comes to me and he's like, Pastor Jacob, can you please pray for me? Like, I, I need to get my grades up. Can you please? Like, and I was like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And like, I'm going to try and hold you accountable to it. So every time I'd see him, hey, dude, how, just checking in. Like, how are your grades, right? And it was like three weeks later. It's like, dude, you're coming up on this day. Like, how are your grades? Are your grades getting better? And he says, no, I don't understand. Like, I'm trying so hard, but my grades are not getting better. And I was like, okay, well, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing? I was like, are you studying? Yeah. Like, okay, well, are you doing your homework? No. And I was like, wait, back up. You're not doing your work? No. I said, pull up your grade book. He opens up his computer, shows me his grade book. So many zeros, guys. So many zeros. Red, 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 red. And I just looked at it and I said, how in the world can you expect to have good grades if you're not turning in any of your work. I was mad. I was frustrated with this kid. It's like, dude, you're being foolish. And he's like, I don't know. I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. Like, I thought that as long as I just like studied and got ready for the test, like my grades would be fine. I was like, no, man. Like, it's affecting your grades. Like, you have to be doing the homework if you want your grades to get better. <laughs> Look, just like just like you will not be successful in school if you're not doing the homework. Just like you won't be successful in getting in better physical shape if you are not controlling your diet. If you're not reading the Bible, you're not going to grow in your faith the way that God wants you to. If you're not reading the Bible, you're not going to become like Jesus the way that you should got to be in the Bible. You've got to be reading God's word. Let's pray. God, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that you have given it to us, that we can read it and know it, and, and know you, and know your heart, and know your character through your word to us. Thank you for the gift that it is. God, I pray that we would all understand how important the Bible is, God, that we would, that we would love others well and we would understand that when we read your word that it helps us to love others well that it makes us more like jesus i pray that we would all be committed to reading your your word every single day to experience your goodness through your word every day so help us to live this out help us to glorify you and it's in jesus name we pray amen